You don't have to be famous to be interesting. joining me for the first episode of season three of A Conversation with Albie. I'm Albie, and sometimes I don't fully reconstitute my condensed cream of mushroom soup. My guest today is the one, the only published author, owner of The Pyramid Hat from the episode Future Boy of Quantum Leap. We have Matt Dale. Hey, Albie. How you doing? Good. Did you come up with that uh, silly little fact about yourself? Well, I, <laughs> I I did, and and then I panicked about five minutes before the recording and came up with a, a more sensible fact because I thought, oh, the silly fact's too silly. So I, I kind of have a couple of facts, but uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Are you, what are, are you on. asking me to spill? Is this is this the time? Both, both so are my, all. So my uh, my silly fact um, is that I I learnt a. Uh, a party trick when I was a kid that I, I can still do today. And for many years, I, I didn't do it because it seemed far too nerdy. Um, but now I've started bringing it back out again, because why not? Um, I learned to say, as as maybe a nine or ten year old, I learned to say the alphabet backwards faster than I can say it forwards. Seriously? I the, There's something about the way that the your mouth moves as you're saying the alphabet that it's hard mm-hmm. to kind of string the letters together but actually when you do it backwards it's much easier to string them together so yeah i can i can shave a good second or so off my time if i do it backwards you know you have to do it now right i i know i'm <laughs> but on, <laughs> on radio it's hard to prove that i don't just have it in front of me you have to trust me all i can see at the I, moment is audacity recording i've got I, nothing I, in front of me I fully trust you. I don't think I could do it even if it was written in front of me. So go for it. And and to be fair, it's not the kind of thing someone's going to make up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So also keep in mind, it's early in the morning, so my mouth isn't uh, fully flexible yet. But let's let's give this a go. Wow. I cannot do it forwards that fast. I might have to slow that down in post to double check it. But I, I, right now, I believe you. Yeah, yeah. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-I-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. And anyone that stops listening now will just forever know me as that guy that does the alphabet backwards. <laughs> no one's going to stop listening. Everybody's going to listen to the end to hear the uh, secret clue that we give them at the end. But yeah, there's, there's no story there. No, that's the thing. That's, that's why I, th- I thought, oh, it's a silly fact, but actually it's kind of a dead end because like, what, what do you do with that? When, when does that come in useful? It doesn't. If you get pulled over by uh, the police and you're accused of wearing fancy dress. Yes, true. What but does it is that also... mean, by the way? Hmm? What does that mean, by the way? Fancy what? dress. I sent you that video the other day. Oh, yeah. I only watched the start of that. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. This, this, okay. that, was that video in America? No, everybody was uh, speaking British. Was that a British thing? It's definitely not illegal over here to, to drive in fan. Well... I guess if it's fancy dress that obscures your view, but this wasn't, was it? This was someone dressed as Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah, but I don't yeah. understand the concept of what fancy dress is. Oh, does, it's fancy dress, not a. You have no. fancy dress in the US. Maybe you call it something else, but it's probably it's, it's like what you. It's like cosplay at Halloween. Oh, okay, like a costume. Yes, 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't now know why I'm we call it fancy. I suppose when you, <laughs> I was just it's not necessarily people, fancy. Like uh, you know, drafting the Declaration of Independence with wigs yeah, and, and silk wearing a monocle and stuff. Yeah, fancy dress. I don't know. Hmm. No, I was like, is that just, illegal it's... over there? <laughs> no, but neither's costuming. I... Well, I know for a while it was illegal here for men to wear dresses. So who knows? You never know. Yeah. And I guess if if you were costuming as R two D two and trying to drive a car, <laughs> you... <laughs> but this was Hulk Hogan. I mean, what he was just wearing a silly yeah. mustache. He had a bad mustache and a, and a bandana and a yellow T-shirt. I yeah. was like, wow, the cops are really strict over there. Here they, just, <laughs> they just shoot you and then they ask questions later. But yeah. there, man, you can't get away dressed like Hulk Hogan. I don't know. You think he's watching dressing room all the time? You show me commands. Martin, you're in fancy <laughs> yeah, we we our cops don't have guns, so you know there's there's limited amounts they can do to the Hulk Hogan impressionist, but humiliate so nice. them. So nice. There's so many differences between uh, there and here. Um, yeah. What's healthcare like? Uh, <laughs> it's an, Tell it's me, an I interesting. Know. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It, it's what free at the point of service. That's that's the official answer. You know, wow. it, it, I don't think there's a healthcare system in the world that's perfect, and mm. um, uh, and public healthcare is it, a struggle because it's taxpayer funded. So, you know, it's it's never got the money it needs to invest in in being slick and amazing, and that's why quite a few of us uh, end up voluntarily having private healthcare, at least mm. so that we can. You know, use the NHS for our, our coughs and our colds and our emergencies. But if we need um, like cancer treatment or something like that, we have the opportunity to go private. And that's that's what, if people can afford it, that's what people do. And it's it's so wonderfully reassuring knowing that, like at the moment, I, I don't have private. I've, I've been on and off private. And right now I don't. And it's great knowing that something could happen and I would get some kind of coverage, even if I'm on a queue or a waiting list or whatever. Um and regardless of whether I'm on private or not, it makes me feel good knowing that my my tax money is going towards something that is helping people that can't afford it. I, I think yeah. I think it's fantastic, and I think every country should do it. Um, but that Much being agreed. said, when you walk into a, a, a private clinic here, I'm sure it's very much like what you would just refer to as a hospital. Um, mm. You know, it's you can see the money has been spent, and you can see ev- everything is very slick, and you are a customer. Uh, with the NHS, it, it's cash strapped and it's corner cutting, but you know that it's it's there, and the fact that it's there and, and it's still there today after however many years is amazing. It's good to know that it exists. Yeah, every time my insurance gets cancelled, which is twice a year for some reason or another, hmm. and uh, I always go, "How much insulin do I have? Will I make it? Where can I get oh. more insulin? Stuff like that, you know." Yeah, so. and that that's the kind of thing. I mean, yeah, we nobody would have insulin on as far as i know over here no one would have insulin on on private there's just no benefit to it that kind of thing the nhs just covers and like i say I'm, awesome. I'm pleased about that i for for many years i didn't have any kind of chronic condition I'm, i've now got epilepsy so i'm i'm reliant on pills constantly but for many years i was paying into this and diabetics were benefiting from it and i think that's great yeah it's it saddens me that there's there's countries like yours that that don't have that and that and that there's members of the public that 
see our kind of system as a bad thing. That I just I don't get that. I get how the government might decide, okay, well actually it's not going to work for us because of X, Y, and Z. But that when like Obama was trying to introduce all these things and people were saying, oh no, this is terrible. Are, are, are you guys just I don't know self self defeating? It doesn't it doesn't make sense to me why someone wouldn't want that. I wholeheartedly agree with you, and there's just a lot of stupid over here. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's, as someone who's grown up with it, I, I don't want to be too critical of it because it, some of it is just from the outside looking in. I don't get that mentality because I grew up in the way that I grew up, and I'm sure there's some good logic there. And there's probably listeners that are listening to me thinking, "Well, no, the the NHS is ridiculous, and, and why why would you have a system like that?" Uh, I don't, I don't know. Here, it's uh, whether you live or die depends on how much money you have, and I don't yeah. think it should be like that anywhere in the world. It, I, so. I, I firmly agree, but I, I'm also, I'm not going to be too critical of people who've grown up in places like America, and mm. um, maybe I'm too nice. But it, it, when you've actually <laughs> grown, when you've grown up with that around you, where, with the mentality that yeah, it depends on whether you can afford to live or die, or whether you can afford to live. Mm. Um, that I guess having some Brit say to you, no, you should have state-owned healthcare. Um, I can see why that might be off-putting for some. But Well, I think uh, your system is probably the best where you can have either one you want, whether yeah. it's it's uh, tax uh, single-payer, tax-supported, or if you want the best and have the money, go for it. You know, Yeah. More mm-hmm. choice. How could that be a bad thing? Yeah, exactly. So... When did we first uh, come in contact, meet? Uh, I think it was an email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, <laughs> oh god, I was so um, I was so nervous around about that time. Um, <laughs> so this this was when I I was maybe about halfway through writing the Quantum Leap book. Do we assume the listeners know about my Quantum Leap book, or should I, uh, should I please a please bit? tell them? There might be a small non crossover <laughs> audience. Okay, fair enough. So I um. Several years ago, um, I wanted to binge view Quantum Leap, and I wanted to binge view Quantum Leap with a good book alongside me, telling me about all the behind-the-scenes facts and everything. And um, one didn't exist, so I decided, what the hell, I'll write one, and I'll get a couple of copies printed up for me and a friend. And my friend, after he'd read the first chapter, convinced me to put it on Kickstarter and make it a, a, a thing that people could buy. Um, which is fine, but then I had to go into publicity mode, which I, I'm not comfortable with. Um, so, yeah, uh, when I was most of the way through writing it, <clears throat> I, I contacted a few sites, um, most of whom ignored me. Uh, you, you guys actually paid attention, which is nice. And, yeah, it, it was one of those things where I was... Um, I'd. I'd written out the email and I was I was like, oh God, I'm gonna click send and then this this guy Albie's gonna read it and he's probably gonna think <laughs> I'm an idiot because nobody in the Quantum Leap world knows me and here I am saying I've written the best book about Quantum Leap. But it, it's it's difficult because I'm I'm not known in Quantum Leap fandom. I wasn't at the time. At the time. Uh, yeah. And um you know I, I've been I am known in some other fandoms because um, I'm I, I'm quite loud and obnoxious online sometimes. And um I know what it's like when somebody comes in from the outside and says, look at me, I know stuff. So that made me particularly nervous that I knew there were, there were names like yours and Hayden's that people just knew. 
And then I mm. I walked in not being active on any forums. I'd been lurking on forums for years and reading stuff, but never posting. And then I yeah I sent you an email saying, "Hey, Quantum Leap podcast, I'm just writing the ultimate definitive reference guide to Quantum Leap. You've never heard of me." So that that was how we first came into contact. Me yeah. me showing off, which is outside my comfort zone. I didn't see it as showing off, but uh, when I did read it, I was I was like, oh, that's nice, but I get like maybe four or five of these a month, people yeah. that have these Quantum Leap projects, and I think I answered you something like, uh, let me know when it's done, and I'll, yeah. we can yeah. go from there or something, because then you never hear back from anyone, but you actually did it, and I was very yeah. impressed. <laughs> Thank you. No, I don't know. That's, that's the other thing. I mean, yeah, I'm... Uh, I I've got a longer history in Doctor Who fandom, and mm. yeah, I totally know where you're coming from. I I've seen people online saying I'm doing this and this and this, and um, as it's easier become easier to make fan films in particular with um, camera uh, with with phone technology and stuff. Mm. You see people coming up saying, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm going to make a whole 26 episode season of Doctor Who on my my camera and on, on my phone," and <laughs> like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, just just." Stop talking about it. Stop making Facebook groups. Just bloody get on with it, and and they come to nothing quite often because yeah, people's people's ideas um, are worth encouraging, but sometimes bigger than what they can actually achieve. So yeah, I totally got that, and I knew when I was contacting you. I, I can't even remember if I sent a preview. If I did, it would have been a very slim one. I was being quite cautious about what I let out. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I, you you sent me some. Uh rough drafts pdfs and stuff and i was like wow this is good this guy's got it together yeah. uh at, at that same time i was getting a message from someone pretending to be deborah pratt's publicist and he was just a wacko oh. because deborah never heard of him except you know <laughs> from emails from him and it was it was weird because like by the third email he was trying to get me to get him in contact with deborah pratt and i was like if you're her publicist yeah. why are you, what and that's i don't know that's a weird thing to try when, I mean, if, if it was around about that time, Deborah had already been on the podcast a few times, so you oh, obviously yeah. you obviously had a connection to her. Why would you uh-huh. say, "I'm friends with your friend"? Basically, and yeah, it's like, it, it, "All right, it, I'm so, going to check you out." Oh no, you're not. But, <laughs> but I guess that kind of stuff happens. I don't know. You know, surely you say something like, "Oh, I'm I'm friends with Dean Stockwell," or "I work with Dean Stockwell." Mm-hmm. You know, then that all oh, that's something you might not be able to check out, but. Right. People don't think these things through. If you're going to lie, think it through, man. <laughs> Make it better, yeah. yeah. At the time, Deborah was texting me back and forth. So, oh, look at you, Mr. Very, fancy very Pants. Person. Yeah, in, in our little circle, right? But yeah. outside in the real world, that they were like, what show from who? <laughs> I've heard of Scott Bakula. Yeah, he was in something. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, he was that guy from um, Star Trek. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad I didn't get to talk to him about Enterprise during my interview. No, uh, he was he was filming, so you know, he only had a short time between setups or something. Yeah, that was good of him to do that. So, what kind of dedication and hard work, like people thinking of maybe you know writing the ultimate companion to space nineteen ninety nine or something? Ooh, what kind of work does it take to uh, actually complete a project? Because I know we've all started a project. I'm writing a novel right now for the past maybe year and a half. Who knows if I'm ever going to finish? But like. What what does it take to actually complete something, and what does that feel like when you're done? <clears throat> Good question. I have looking back. I have no idea how it happened. <laughs> I think I, I I'm going to answer this, but I'm reluctant to answer it because I, it could be off putting. Um, 
because I think for me that there's, there's a natural part of it that it, it, if you don't share, it just might mean that you can't go down the route that I went down. Um, it doesn't mean you can't do it. But for me, um, I am quite a natural organizer and planner. So I came up with the idea, came up with an, an end goal, and I, I en- envisaged it. So, so you know what it was going to look like. I decided that I don't want to, I don't want this to be a flimsy guide that just um, picks out a few interesting bits and pieces. If I find something out about Quantum Leap, I will find a way to get it in there. And and you'll see some some of the facts and figures that are in there are crowbarred in because I just I had them and I was like, well, I just want this to be complete. Once I'd figured that out and once I decided that, it was all about spreadsheets and targets. It was like, right, okay, at the start, I'm going to spend the next six months watching every episode through once taking notes. And here's the dates that I'm going to watch them. And short of something else happening in my life that pulls me away from it and family comes first and everything like that. Unfortunately, I, I didn't have a son at the time, so so my family was a very limited circle. Um Nothing would stop me from doing that. If it was a case of, right, I really fancy watching a film tonight. Well, no, I'm supposed to be watching MIA and taking notes on it. Screw that film. That's not going to happen. Um, and, you know, I, I had that plan over something like a two-year period where I just I decided what I was going to do and when I was going to do it by. And I get fixated by that. If it's on a spreadsheet and there's a date, I have to do it. And that's... I, Yeah. So some people... For some people that works, for some people that doesn't. And for the people that, that don't have that kind of um, way of motivating themselves, I don't know what the answer is. There obviously is an answer because I know I'm I'm broken in some way, allowing my mm-hmm. life to be ruled by spreadsheets. It's not normal, um, but it's certainly that's that was what worked for me. Um, it, it did work. That might be my failing when it comes to different projects because I'm very chill, easygoing, non-structured, you know, wake up when I wake up. Fall asleep when I fall asleep. Do stuff when I feel like it. Chill most but, of the time. But that that's true of a lot of successful creative people, and they manage mm-hmm. it. So I I that's why I was wary to answer the question because I, I I don't want to put put it out there to you or to anyone else that well if you're not rigidly focused you can't do it because that's that's obviously not true. Um, it's just how it worked for me. Um, mm. I'm just I'm a, a natural organizer. Um, that's- there's another there's a quantum leap related project i'm working on at the moment actually um which i I believe you this time (laughs) i think i can talk about this one uh i I guess you've probably seen the the in progress uh replica prop of the hand link Mm -hmm. um and there's uh there's a couple of guys working on it one doing the the physical prop and one doing the, the pcb with all the lights and sounds and i've been chatting to the lights and sound guy and he'd done some really good solid research on it but it wasn't to the anal retentiveness that I would have done. And I was like, dude, there is a risk that somewhere there's one sound in one episode that you've not picked up on. Because, <laughs> and, and you know, that bothered him, but I don't think it bothered him to the point where he was willing to sit down and watch every single episode. I'm like, screw that. That's what you I'm, did, right? I'm so, so again, I've, first thing I did, I've got a spreadsheet out and I've got dates by them and I'm working my way through them. Four episodes a night at the moment, I'm fast forwarding through to all of the owl scenes and watching him hit that handling and punch it until it, um, until it makes noises and, and logging them all so that he can then go and, and check my spreadsheet and then go and check the, the scenes and um, pull the sounds out if he needs to. So it's, that's pretty awesome. But that, that's the kind of thing that I, 
I like to do. I like to set myself targets. And oh yeah, sorry, you, you asked me a couple of questions. I'm, I'm rambling a lot now. Um, I you, encourage you. Said, you. How, how did that, how did that feel at the end? Well, yeah, the yeah, sense of that, satisfaction of completion. Yeah, and and more so when it's that targeted because. Oh, no, I don't know. Maybe not because I, I never complete anything when I'm being wishy-washy. But um, I think partly I, I look back and I think, yes, as a finished pro- product, but then I can also look back on my, my spreadsheet or my planner or whatever I've used to get myself there and I can actually see the journey I've been on and it's um, that's very reassuring. At the same time, with this particular project, with the, the book, it was exhausting, um, so I felt relief when it was done. And I um, I ended up in a bit of a race against time because my, my partner um, became pregnant about eight or nine months before the book was due to be finished. It, it, it couldn't have been more perfectly timed. <laughs> and I had no way of tightening up my schedule. So we were sat there in the living room um, in our house with surrounded by boxes and, uh, and, and book uh, packaging when she was eight and a half months pregnant, um, just just packing up these books. Like, we've got to get them packed up before you go into labor. Um, <laughs> because once that baby arrives, we've got like a hundred customers waiting to get these things. We've got to get them out the mm. door because we're not going to want to focus on anything for weeks and we have people waiting for these things. So, Well, it's kind of fortunate you skipped the spreadsheet the one night to have a child. <laughs> hey, I... I may be rigid, but I'm I'm realistic as well. You know, it's um, <laughs> it, generally, yeah. When I'm when I'm doing something, I like this this current project. It takes me about an hour or so to go through four episodes uh, at the speed that I'm going through at. So mm. it's it's That's I'm doing an hour or so a night. It, I'm not pushing myself. I'm just saying this is my target. And if I know what my target, after you're done, you should contact the Guinness Book of World Records and see if that's a record. You never know. I'd love to get into the Guinness Book of Records for something. Maybe saying I the mean, alphabet backwards. Who, I know. <laughs> a lot of people have done that, I'm sure. But who else has fast-forwarded through four episodes of Quantum Leap <laughs> a night <laughs> for yeah. the whole series? I don't know. Some strange people out there. <laughs> I know how my life changed when I became a dad. And mm. uh, one of the things that inspires me, uh, different people inspire me, and you're one of them. And you being a dad oh. and, and the love for your child, I, I see that online and – I, I, I feel that in your personality and, and what, how did you change uh, when you became a dad? <laughs> it's funny. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to start by answering that um, in a, in quite a, a small way, because you just mentioned about sharing the, seeing the love online. But before I was a dad, and this, this is one small way in which things have changed. Before I was a dad, I, I used to, s- I used to see people who had, their um their children as their profile pictures in facebook and i said if i ever become a dad i'm not going to become that guy <laughs> I, said, I, I, I don't get how proud i am of my kid i am my profile picture in facebook i'm mm-hmm. not sharing that with anyone unless it's john barrowman <laughs> i'm not yeah. i'm not giving it over to someone else i no kid is that important that they're going to mm-hmm. become my profile picture yeah that changed uh, <laughs> <laughs> So that that was the first change I noticed when I became a dad. That I suddenly wanted to show off the baby pictures. I try and resist mm. because I, I I know I know what I was like pre baby. But yeah, mm. yeah, we uh, all change. I mean, something clicks yeah. in our head. I think. Yeah, it's that. It, it's a big question, um, and 
Yeah. I know for I, me, um, I would, I was the same way before I had Serenity. I, I even made her own blog so I could put her baby pictures there. So I didn't Aww. bother people. Didn't yes. bother people on my Facebook feed or whatever. And now if you yes. go to my Facebook, it's mostly her and a couple of things of me. Yeah. And, and yeah, what, what you said about me, I, I, would would share the same back to you. you you can see from your facebook feed you you can feel that love and that warmth and <clears throat> i don't know i think you you get to a certain age where the majority of your followers and friends are bound to be parents and yeah if if the ones that aren't find that boring un- unfortunately they're going to miss out um yeah, and you well, know i it's- i only became a father at 36 so I was relatively late myself and yeah I I was in that crowd for quite some time and now I'm and and now I'm saying fuck them but uh yeah I I I think 37 so around the same yeah yeah so so yeah so we we both went through quite a bit of our lives not being parents and probably seeing all that mushy stuff on Facebook and thinking yeah that's that's not for me um but now I'm part of that group um, yeah, once um, you are though, like I like I don't care. I mean, my whole world is her. So if somebody yeah. doesn't like it, then they're not for me anyway. Thank you. Yeah, you've you've, you've summed that up. I I tend to waffle around ideas. That's that summed it up. <laughs> summed up exactly what I was trying to say. Um, maybe you can interview yourself uh, and say it was me. Uh, I'm actually in the process of that. I found some uh, <laughs> like uh, micro cassettes of me just talking into them like 20 years ago. <gasps> and I'm, I'm working on a project where I'm interviewing myself. Wow. And I found out that uh, when I was like 19, 20, 22, I was an asshole. I wasn't a nice person. I just was. Oh, we all were. Horrible. Don't don't judge yourself <laughs> for that, please. Um, I'm like, well, how did I ever think that? Like, I remember being there, but how was I that person? You know, but I, know. I guess we all grow over time. So, yeah. But yeah, I'm working on interviewing myself. I had a, oh. I had a Skip interview me once for this yeah. show. Uh, but nice. I must go back different. and listen to that. Yeah, uh, then then we'll get one download on that one. I think yeah. besides me. <laughs> yeah, th- that's that's something about this show. Nobody listens, which is a great a great freedom, you know. Yeah. Oh well, that's that's great. In which case, I I can just scream "fuck Trump" and uh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, we all do most of the time, I think. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's um, I. I, I, I don't know I don't know your family situation particularly so I don't know how you can relate to this or, or yeah, maybe, maybe you can um, but I didn't really know my dad that well so um, becoming a father to a son myself <clears throat> it, it's been interesting because I'm usually when something new happens in life I try and look for inspiration elsewhere I think that's, that's probably true of most people I'm making this out mm. like I'm so I'm unusual like that, but I think most people <laughs> look to someone else and the natural place to look when you become a parent is your own parents. I, again, I would assume. Um, for me, uh, I, I have an amazing mother who, who raised me extremely well, whether she was successful in terms of how I came out. I mean, it's not for me to say, but she <laughs> did a, a fantastic job in herself, um, but I didn't really know my dad. So, Do you mind me asking what happened there? When I was young, he he had a job where he had to commute, so I didn't get to see him much evenings and weekends. And then he mm. passed away when I was ten. So oh, I'm sorry. Um, that's it was a long time ago. Um, mm. But and kids are resilient at that age. It was it was an awful feeling for like maybe 
a few days a week um mm. but i think at 10 you just you kind of adjust very quickly mm. um but it did mean that 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 was the kind of age where i was starting to get to the point where i was up late enough that i could have started spending time with him in the evenings and and getting to know him better and i never got the chance to um so my my mum stepped in and um couple of times in recent years I've, I've sent her Father's Day cards because I think she, she did a, a great job dealing with a teenage boy um, mm. but yeah what it what it's meant is that when when I wonder when I have those moments where you think oh what would my dad do I, I have no idea so I look to people like you and I, I look to other other fathers online um, and, and look to them for inspiration yeah, so that's Go, going back, um, going back to the question you asked, you know, what, what was the change for me? I think it's it's been a trip into the unknown, which every every parent feels, especially the first time round. But um, I, I think so. p- particularly for me, not not having that immediate. Well, here's what Dad did right. I'm going to do that. Here's what he didn't do so well. I'm going to not do that. I, I never had that shortcut. Mm. Yeah, my my experience was quite the opposite. Um, I had my dad in my life until I was maybe 30 and uh, he was retired for my teenage years because he had a heart attack and uh, he couldn't really do much. And uh, so, uh, so we spent a lot of time together and really became really good friends and he was the best dad. And when my daughter says, (laughs) oh, you're the best dad ever, (laughs) I think. Uh, I don't know. My dad was the best dad ever. I'm just trying to do as good of a job as he is. He did, you know. So, yeah, but you you obviously you obviously are kids don't kids don't bullshit. Um, yeah, they, they tell you like it is because they they, yeah, they don't have exactly. a filter. Yeah. So now, if so. if she's saying to you the same kind of things that you said about your dad, then mm. it's because you are matching him. So mm. yeah, be be proud of that. Own mm. it. it I've noticed yeah. you're doing Doctor Who stuff online. Who's your favorite doctor? <laughs> so, all right, short answer, Sylvester McCoy. Love Sylvester McCoy. What I think most Doctor Who fans agree on is that it's it's the one you grew up on, and it doesn't matter whether that Doctor's good, bad, or indifferent. And I know for years Sylvester McCoy got quite a bad reputation, especially among fans in the generation above me who love Tom Baker. And mm. um, Sorry, I'm talking in terms of... UK timelines here. I know in America, Tom Baker was kind of bigger right the way into the 80s, whereas in the UK, Tom Baker was replaced by Davison in in 81. So, mm. um, so yeah, the the generation above me for for many years looked down on Sylvester McCoy and Sylvester McCoy fans. So that's why I hesitated slightly before answering. But he seems to have had a bit of a re- renaissance recently. I think I think people are maybe it's just because fans of my age are getting to that age where we can shout loudly about it as well and share the love for McCoy. My first doctor was Tom Baker. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so many were and yeah, I as I say, British fans slightly older than me and American fans about our age uh, all tend to have Tom as their first doctor. Um mm. so yeah. He's he's very popular. What do you think of the newer doctors and 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 the showrunners? Who are your favorite showrunners, writers of that show? Yeah, I've I've been loving the new series. Um, I definitely I, I don't see that divide that some people do with, with old series, new series. Mm. As soon as it came back in two thousand and five, I was like, right, th- this feels very different to nineteen eighty nine. But I could see how if it had been on the air every year since, this is still exactly where we'd be. 
it, it's it just represented a development in in TV storytelling. Um, so yeah, I I've, I've just recently in the last couple of weeks finished a, a rewatch of the Christopher Eccleston year, um, mm. and I, I I still think that's one of the best, most consistent seasons of Doctor Who ever. Um, it was it was really good. I went into it no uh, knowing Christopher Eccleston was only uh, for a limited yeah. time because they had already transitioned to David Tennant when yeah. I started watching. Yeah, we all uh, yeah we all got that news uh, that broke. I think a couple of days after the first episode went out, it leaked, um, which is a real shame. It would have been an amazing surprise, and I still hope one of these days we get a regeneration that is not publicized at all. That would be fantastic, and they could do it. There is no reason they couldn't do it. Mm. They they choose to publicize it, but ultimately. You film a, a secret ending with the start of the regeneration. You don't even have to film the, the end of the regeneration, and you don't mm. start casting until after the series has gone out. Mm. Um, or you cast and you make sure there's almost no one knows about it. But yeah, I'm, I'm regularly disappointed by that every time they <laughs> publicise it. And I, I just love at the end of this season for Jodie Whittaker to, to fall over, start glowing, and either <laughs> for the series to end or for Michael Sheen to sit up and everyone to go, what? <laughs> we didn't know this was going to happen. Um, They've but, almost made it like a publicity event, like yeah, time for the new doctor, you know. And yeah, I'm, and I'm I, the same way every time. I'm, I'm like, oh, I won't like the new one. I like this one, and then like a couple episodes in, it, I'm like, oh, I love this new doctor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've done an amazing job of casting. And, uh, and your point about publicity, yeah, it's absolutely right. And that's, that's why Doctor Who survived so long, because people like freshness and that's why most shows don't make it more than four or five years unless they're they're really good um but with doctor who you've got that constant cycle of publicity around the new doctor but they could do that just before a series starts they don't have to do it before the regeneration appears on screen i Mm. i don't know that's that's my bugbear but um but yeah i i've been loving it i i find that Every showrunner, Russell, um, Stephen Moffat, and I guess we'll we'll see mm-hmm. about Chris, has obviously had because they're all fans. They've had their idea in their head for years, and you can see with with Russell and with Stephen, each time the first season they did was stunning. Like they'd been planning it in their heads since they were ten years old, <laughs> right. and then the follow up seasons have never been quite as good. But they've come in like obviously just. With, with everything uh, plotted out. And then yeah. when it starts getting into that cycle of, God, I've got to make a dozen episodes a year now. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think they've ever been quite as good. So I am i don't know what to expect with Chris Chibnall's second season, but based on past experience, I'm guessing it's not going to be quite as good as his first. Favourite companion? Again, the, the one that I, I first became a fan with, Ace. Love Ace. Sophie Aldred is wonderful as well. If if you had to pick a companion and you were the Doctor, who would you want with you? I suppose it depends whether I wanted fun or I wanted to actually survive. Because um, you know, I I'm I'm kind of useless, so I'd probably need um, one of the companions that is is extremely intelligent and brave. I'd probably go for someone like Zoe from the original series or or Liz Shaw. Mm. Um, but you know what? Ultimately, for the entertainment factor, I'd want to hang out with Donna. So, Donna, yeah. who who doesn't? Mm. 
Is she still in the library? I forget. Donna, no. Donna ended up. She was, oh, yeah, was she, lost. She forgot everything, right? Yeah, she forgot everything. And then I'm trying to think because she came back for the David Tennant finale. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think she's she's still out there with no memory of her time, which was the, the saddest thing that happened in Doctor Who ever. Yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking. I, I remember when I first met her, watched her, I didn't like her. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But by the end, I loved her. Absolutely loved her. Oh, yeah. I um, In the Runaway Bride, the Christmas special she did, and everyone yes. was raving, mm-hmm. wow, we've got Catherine Tate. Yeah, okay, fine. And I watched the episode, and even by the end of that episode, I was thinking, yeah, okay, she, she was all right. And then they announced that they were bringing her back for the whole series, and I thought, oh, God, she was she was fun as a one-note, but I, I'm not going to buy her as a, a season-long companion. And, mm. yeah, she's ended up, as I say, she, she's become one of my favourites, against all odds. So you recently became the host. I don't know if uh, everybody listening to this knows this, but uh, y- you're very well known now in the Quantum Leap circle. I've, I've actually seen your name on different message boards and uh, even on Reddit the other day. I was reading a thread about Quantum Leap and somebody mentioned something you said. And I was like, wow, Matt, that's cool. Wow. Um, you recent, yeah, right? You made it. <laughs> you are now one of the hosts of the Quantum Leap podcast. What was that decision like and, and how are you uh, feeling about it? That that was very surreal um, because like, uh, like I guess most people, I, I came to, no, not like most people, because I had, I had a book to write. I came to the Quantum Leap podcast because I had a book to write, and I needed to find out what other people were saying about Quantum Leap and listen to interviews. But ultimately, for whatever reason, I came to the Quantum Leap podcast as a fan, and I was listening to your episodes and, and loving them, and I kept meaning to write to you guys and, and send some fan mail and uh, just just say how much I, I, I loved the podcast. And to actually... I, I kind of feel like, in a, in a very small way, uh, when Will Wheaton was cast in Star Trek The Next Generation, must have felt like having grown up with Star Trek and then suddenly getting to play with the toys. Um, I, I, I still can't quite get to grips with the fact that this show that I was, um, I was listening to um, in the gym at lunchtimes, um, I, I was a couple of years behind, so I, I spent a month or so in the gym every lunch cycling and listening to your episodes of the quantum leap podcast and loving them and now i'm actually on it it doesn't doesn't feel quite real yet um so it was a very it was it was quite an easy decision to make um i i had the natural reluctance of a how much time is this going to take because I'm very organized and I didn't want to commit to something where I would then be the one saying you know guys actually I I can't do it this night because of this can't do it that night because of that and I didn't want to let anyone down Um, but also I I wasn't sure if I'd be able to keep the high quality up and to this day I'm still not sure I can I think I've got some amazing co-hosts on it but it was um it, it was certainly really exciting to be asked and it didn't take long for me to just put that to one side and say, yeah, right, as as long as, you know, we're only doing an episode every few weeks um, and uh, as, as long as you guys can help me through it uh, and I knew Alison and Chris were, were old pros, um, that it, it had to be done. I couldn't, I couldn't turn it down. I would be listening to them doing it and regretting not being involved. 
Your guys' dynamic is so good. Like the three of you, how you work together is like a hive mind. And like both when you're trying to figure something out and like you're all like separately doing research at the same time. <laughs> I'm glad you can hear that. Yeah, I love that. And then those times where like you're you're uh, joking and riffing on each other and it just becomes funnier and funnier and funnier. It's just, it's just perfect. Yeah. I, I think, um, and I, I've shared this with the guys a couple of times as well, but I, I think um, what we settled into quite quickly was very much it's it, Chris, Chris and Allison particularly have got this um, this two way flow going. They are both so sharp and so fast, and they keep bouncing off each other. And sometimes I'll think of something funny to say like thirty seconds later, and the moment's gone. And it, <laughs> it does end up being that the Chris and Allison show plus Matt and the first couple of episodes I was like god am I am I letting the side down because I I know I'm not talking up as much as the others um I'm, I'm just kind of dropping in with with these asides I'm almost the the straight man um in a comedy duo except it's a trio uh, <laughs> but I realized it seemed to be working so um I don't I don't beat myself up about that for, for a little while I was thinking why why aren't I this fast why am why aren't I jumping in with these things and I don't know it's just a natural thing they're um they're they're witty people and they they do think through things very quickly but they let me have my say which is very kind uh Chris and Allison um always always throw questions to me when they know I, I would bet both of them would say the same thing and say it's like it's if you ask Chris it'd be like oh it's it's just Allison and Matt are so good and I'm just trying to keep up you know it's, it's, well I think we all feel that I, way. I think it we we could argue in our own different ways we've all got our own talents but I think in terms of mm. word count it's really hard to deny that I don't speak as much as the others but as I say I I, but, I think if 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 we force it, and I've spoken to Alison about this a couple of times, she said, "Oh, you know, should we throw to you a little bit more often? Um, am I talking over you too much?" And I said, "You know what? It, it's working at the moment. So actually, if we tried to force it so that we all spoke the same amount, it, something would break. So let's let's not. Mm. It's fine. Um, yeah. If if it's not broke, don't fix yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's working. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Was that your first podcast? Yes. Yeah. First, wow. First and only. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't know it. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's I th- it, it's an odd experience sitting in front of your computer and trying to create that energy and that rapport um without even having webcams switched on so not being able to see faces. Mm. Um really it doesn't sound like that. It, it sounds really good in post uh, Allison and and Chris. Do you ever do any post with the show? No. And that that was that was part of the deal. Um I had I had to say mm. look you know, when I think it was Chris that invited me and I said, I, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I, uh, I've done a bit of audio editing. I'm not a, I'm not an expert at it. I could brush up, but the reality is I just don't have the time. So mm-hmm. I, I can help host, but if you're expecting me to edit, we are going to end up back in the position that the, the original generation of QLP was in mm-hmm. where we're wishing them out every yeah. six months and, Right. So just 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 being honest about my time here. So sadly, I can't do it, and I'd I'd love to do it. And I know, I mean, Chris does a hell of a lot of. He does work amazing, right? He does it so fast and so well. Um, I I feel bad for the fact that I just can't help out, but um, he he does a great job of it. He does. It, he makes you sound like we're all, you're all in the same room, which Good. is is hard to do on a podcast when people are halfway around the world. Yeah. But you know, it's helped. I mean, just before we started recording, I was I was talking about the fact that I'm I'm working from home a bit more 
now um and um i'm a project manager in my day job so and i, I what does that mean um it's it means i'm i'm responsible for making sure that certain non oh, I, I i'm about to go into a very jargon filled explanation let me do the non-jargony version somebody decides something needs to happen that's out of the ordinary something needs building something needs changing I pull together a team of people to make that happen and I set the goals and I do that kind of organizational part and I do the communication bit. So that's that's kind of that, that's that's my role uh, at work. Well that uses your talents very well. Yeah, and it and it's really exciting and it's particularly good for someone like me that gets bored easily because you know most people I know who've been in I've I've been in this role for 5 years now and most people I know who've been in a job for 5 years are doing broadly the same thing on day one as on day 1500 um with me i'm working on a few different projects at the moment that are going to be closing off soon and then i I don't know what i'm going to be doing in january um i know there'll be something for me to do because there's always something for me to do but i'll be working with a different team and i'll be learning about them and their skills stretching them in different ways they'll be stretching me in different ways and i'll have totally different targets and it's it's exciting um but where I was going to link that to the to the podcast, and I think the skills that I've picked up from there, is that some of my teams are based globally. I, I work with people particularly across Europe, and so I have to have that 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 rapport with them, even though it's quite often just over the phone. And um, because of what I've been doing on the podcast, and not just doing one to one calls with people, but actually having group conversations with people over audio. Um, I've been able to have more meetings over audio. And it's like, well, why am I going into the office to have meetings over audio? I'll just do that in the mm. comfort of my own home. So it's, um, yeah, it's really helped me develop, which is great. Does that give you more time with Zach? Uh, not so much because um, Sharon, my other half, uh, works full time. So, and the uh, the nursery is close to the place we, we both work in the same building and the nursery is close to mm. the place that we work so like today she left at, at the normal time and um dropped him off and then she picked him up afterwards i don't drive so um it's zach's time at nursery is entirely based around her working pattern not mine um okay how do you come up with the name zach oh god <laughs> okay, the, I'll give you the truth. It's not the answer Sharon would give you. Uh, okay. Stri- straight up, no no BS around this. He is named after Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sh- Sharon just liked the name, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I've um, the, the first time I decided to sit down and write an episode guide for something because one didn't exist... Uh, it was a Saved by the Bell guide, and it, it for various reasons it, it never got completed or published. Um, ah, I was just going to ask where where can I find this? This this sounds good. Yeah, um, yeah, it's I, it was a it, it was a co it was co-authored with someone who I I fell out with, and it, it's, ah. it was unfortunate because I'd written about ninety five percent of it, and the the co-authoring part was yeah not not strictly accurate, but it would have. It, the the amount that he'd written would have caused issues if I'd have finished it and published it under my own name. Um, 
I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. So I had to I had to walk away from it. I've thought recently, I haven't looked at a draft of it for 10 years or so. So I have thought recently mm. about resurrecting it and writing it from scratch mm. so I could 100% say, look, I've forgotten everything that's been written. It, this is mm. definitely my own work now. Yeah, when you're when you're coming up with an idea and you choose a creative partner and you're going back and forth, then they don't want to do it and you're like, yeah, is it worth going through all that? Yeah, you, unpicking it is is impossible because even the the parts that mm-hmm. officially you you could say you wrote quite often you, you could argue mm-hmm. that some of that came out of the creative process that the other person mm-hmm. supported. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it was just and it it was quite a, a messy breakup um that would have mm. it would have been um it wouldn't have even been worth having those kind of arguments i just wanted completely well shot of this person um mm. do you have any other um desires to do different episode guides of or companions to different tv shows that may have been done but not well or you think you have a better take on it or ones that haven't been done at all but you think wow it really needs one and i could be that guy there's yeah of course um so there's uh, at the moment I'm helping out a friend uh, with one, so I'm I'm sort of co-authoring um, a guide to Highlander, but that's not my it's not oh, my project, nice. it's not my baby, um, but that's that's going to be quite a fun one. Um, but yeah, I have I have one I have one book that actually I I almost finished writing before I thought I'm just going to put this to one side for six months and make a start on Quantum Leap and. I was determined this year would be the year that I'd finish that and get it out. And actually, it's probably going to be next year. So there's there's one that's definitely coming. And then there's another two that I would love to do in my lifetime. So the, awesome. the one that's coming is a discography of Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds. Hmm. Which, I have you heard of that? Is that too obscure? No, I I'm I I know a world of the worlds, but that you know just the original radio broadcast yeah. and the Tom Cruise movie and the series that was out. So there was a um a a, a musical made especially for LP uh, in the late seventies. It it, it wow. was it wasn't put on stage at the time. Um, it's been put on okay. stage since, and it's fabulous. But um, only in the last few years for for the first twenty odd years of its life, it was just an LP. But it's basically a musical on on record. And wow, I love musicals. You know that, so it, it's well worth. It. I mean, it's a late, it's late seventies, so it's a rock musical. It, it's kind of, it, it's got that Jesus Christ superstar kind of vibe to it. Okay, um, but it, it's got some really catchy tunes. But it's, it's one of those things. It's had such a long life, and it's so well known worldwide that it's had mm. a lot of different edits and singles and remixes all over the world and I, I've been collecting them for years so I've, I've got a, a book that catalogues all of them um, and there's a lot I mean it's enough to make up a book even though it's just one album all the different re-releases wow. and all the singles of it and I, there's cover art that I've scanned in and cleaned up and it's it, it's going to be a very nice looking guide um, that sounds fascinating I, so, sounds like something I would really enjoy a musical about War of the Worlds yeah I recommend checking it out and then if you like it I recommend checking out my book um, the the one that I really want to to do that I've not started on yet um, would be a guide to Sequest DSV. Oh wow! Um, I love that show. I, it I mean, it's awful, but it's also wonderful. I mean, it, it's mm. it, it's there's some parts of it that are so cringe-makingly bad, but what I love about mm. it is um, 
I mean, I, I, I love the fact that it's it's mid '90s sci-fi, and and that whole era mm-hmm. fascinates me. Uh, and it was that was mm-hmm. the turning point where sci-fi was just on the verge of becoming quite serious. But at the time, there was a lot of stuff out there being produced by the likes of Harve Bennett that was all about action heroes and stuff like Time Tracks. I've recently watched Time Tracks again, and it's it's mm. again it's terrible. It's cheesy, but it's fun. But with with Sequest, you've got all of that, and then you've got the fact that. There, there is known to have been dramas behind the scenes, and um, that 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 makes it interesting. The fact that actually, oh, some of the people involved knew this was shit. That that's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. And the part that made me think, God, no, I, I've th- this has to be a book. Is when I read um, an interview with Roy Scheider. Um, and sorry, you, you might be familiar with this, but um, it was just before the second series started. So when they're in full-on publicity mode. And he got an interview and he said, yeah, this show's crap. It, it was really good in the first season <laughs> when it was all serious. And now they've just turned it around and it's just this its this silly adventure sci-fi and it's rubbish. Like, while he was meant to be doing publicity for the second series. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Wow. That, you can build a whole book around that. Just what yeah. took it to the there point was... where the lead was just openly slating it before it even aired. Amazing. He didn't come back for the third yeah, series. <laughs> No, that's not the norm. Usually, usually people involved are they they praise the project yeah. while they're doing it, and they do everything for all the bonus features and interviews of everything, and then they mention like I know I, I say this on every project, but this one I really mean it. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's something about that early '90s sci-fi. I don't know if it was my age or at the time or what it was, but it just has a certain feeling like of coming home and yes. even if it's horrible you just watch it and you have that that happy feeling it's comfortable I don't, I don't know how to explain that yeah it's like comfort television maybe yeah it, it maybe was that's a thing i i think it was when yeah i mean and some of it's bound to be the, the age and the nostalgia element but it was when mm-hmm. tv was still anthology and we were a few years away mm-hmm. from getting to the point where almost all tv became serialized um mm-hmm. But it was also starting to get more complex and they were starting to introduce characters that had a bit more depth and, and more shades of grey. And I think that, that was a brilliant combination. Serialised storytelling, I think, can sometimes go too far these days. So I, I do like... I, I, I love the fact that if I want 45 minutes of fun, um, I can say, okay, I fancy watching uh, the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, conundrum. Fine. I know what's going to happen mm. in that. Mm-hmm. No worries. If I want to watch an episode of The Walking Dead for fun, I can't. I, I've got to watch a whole season. You, I, I you, completely You can agree. name and an episode of The Walking Dead to me, and I'd say that episode title means nothing because it's it's mm-hmm. not an episode. Um, so I, I love that anthology storytelling feel where, yeah, I, I can still name in order most of the episodes of Next Generation. And certainly if you name an episode to me, I could tell you the plot line. Can't do that with any modern TV. And that's that renders that whole 45 minutes, just pick it up and drop it. Um, mm-hmm. Irrelevant. Sorry. you were- Challenge accepted. D- data's day. Um, so that's the... I, I didn't mean that as an actual challenge. Um, <laughs> so that's the one that's... It's all told from the point of view of Data and it, it's it's like his his diary and not too much happens in it um but he's yeah he's writing to uh is it Bruce Maddox the the guy that had put yes. him on trial a couple of seasons earlier mm-hmm. and they're preparing for Keiko and O'Brien's wedding um mm-hmm. but it's devils do 
Stop it. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's no, because you're going to get me on one that I actually can't. Um, no, I won't get you. I think it's all burned in all of our brains. That yeah, it's um, that's the one that's based on the Phase Two episode uh, from the late seventies, where there's a, a some woman pretending to be a devil uh, who mm-hmm. changes between various different forms and shows like the Klingon devil, whatever his name is, Feklar. Yeah, there we go. So, so some of this I'm <laughs> starting to, to it's starting to get unburnt from my brain, but. Um, Really, almost time I to go back. So, some of the detail, but but yeah, my mm. my point is, and this is always when people say, "What's what's your favorite episode of Quantum Leap?" or "What's the joy of Quantum Leap?" I think Quantum Leap's the, the best example mm. of this. But there's so many '90s shows, and Next Generation is another one. But if you say, "Right, well, I I fancy watching something for the next 45 minutes that's going to make me cry mm. in a euphoric sort of way," right, I'm going to get out. Mm next generation in a light or I'm going to get out Quantum Leap MIA and as soon as TV shows stopped becoming episodic like that you kind of you lost that ability Um, and yeah so so the the way I see it in, in the 90s TV was reaching its peak in terms of sophistication but was still anthology based and that was not perfect by any means because we've just been talking about Sequest um (laughs) <laughs> and and there's, there's the, the other show that I would like to do after Sequest would be Sliders. And again, Sliders definitely had its problems. Love Sliders. Uh, didn't like the ending. I don't think anybody no. really did. It kind of just kind of just limped across the finish line, I think. But yeah, I, but that, I, that was mostly to do with what Jerry O'Connell leaving the show because yeah. they wouldn't they wouldn't use his brother or something as much. And I, I love I love character development and um that again, that's something that was only really starting up in the nineties. Much shows mm. pre nineties were so anthology based you could watch them in any order. And mm. um, in the nineties, TV was starting to experiment with saying, actually, no, these are standalone episodes, but the characters that you're following week on week are changing. Um, mm. Babylon Five did it perfectly. Babylon Five story that arc, was a great show, um, but light enough that you can quite often pick up a single episode and just watch it in itself but the character development was there and was fabulous and yeah i i totally agree uh serialization is great when you're binging yeah but to, to me it causes anxiety because <laughs> like if i want to go back and watch something like say lost right yeah i'm not going to watch season three episode two no I'm when I make that decision, I'm committing to sitting down and watching rewatching the whole series, so I don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. I I've watched so many odd episodes of things like Star Trek just just randomly. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Lost I've seen through once, and I just I don't feel like I've got the time or the energy to watch every single episode mm-hmm. again. So therefore, it just sits mm-hmm. there completely unwatched, and that's sad because it was it was good. But who wants to watch a single mm-hmm. episode of a show like that? Um, right it just it'd be like reading a paragraph in a book it makes no sense kind of but but like TNG can just pick a random one yeah most Star Trek you can there's a random Star Trek episode generator online I've I've (laughs) used a couple times or because I'm like I'm like which episode of Voyager haven't I seen too much yet you know and you kind of go through Netflix and I think Discovery seems to be trying to straddle that episodic versus serialized and and mm-hmm. er, definitely erring towards serialized but 
Discovery is a is a little bit more episodic, and Orville is obviously harkening back to the episodic days. Um, that, yeah. that very Orville, much I can watch any episode, yeah. any episode. So it's got that thing, but there is a continuing story arc. But I can, I feel like I can watch any episode of Orville yeah. out of out of order. I just got the comic books. I can't wait to read those. Oh wow! Those I didn't know there was a comic book. Fabulous. Uh, there's two out now. Yeah. So, oh, um, but. Uh, yeah, so uh, ooh, uh, Oroville companion maybe in the mm. future. Any thoughts of writing fiction? Uh, no, I'm terrible at it. I no, I've I have thought about it many times, um, and it's that old cliche. Everyone's got a story in them, uh, but I I, I wrote mm. a a one page bit of fiction for the in the Quantum Leap book, and maybe that was my fault because it, it's fanfic and it's playing with someone else's toys. Um, but it, it was terrible. Mm. It's the one page of the book that I'm embarrassed <laughs> about. Um, maybe writing my own with my own characters would be better. Um, but yeah, I've 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 had a few ideas over the years, um, but nothing I've ever really felt motivated to start. One day, it would be good. Mm. So this is what I like to call the lightning round. Oh, okay. But, All right, I'm repositioning myself. You say lightning round, I'm immediately changing my stance. But know, know this, where I live in Southwest Florida, lightning lasts for about three hours a day. <laughs> so um, there's no rush. Okay. So you can answer as, as long as you'd like. If you were a My Little Pony, what would your cutie mark be and your name? Oh. <laughs> um... I, I'm not massively familiar with My Little Pony. The, the, is that cutie mark? Is that the things they have on their butts? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't know, maybe a pocket watch? Does does one of them already have a pocket watch? Nice, and what would your name be? You know, I, I don't know because I, I don't even know how what the, like, what the style their names are, so... Hmm... They usually have three um, three syllables. Other than that, I don't yeah. think. I don't think there's a rule. If there is, I don't know. I'm not really a brony. I've just watched a few seasons while my daughter was. You're not a brony, but you open with that question. That's. Yeah. Well, I do own a brony T-shirt, so maybe I don't. I can't. I, I don't think I'd be accepted in the brony uh, clubs right away because I don't have complete knowledge. But I enjoy the episodes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm not creative enough to uh, to answer that. I'm going to have to pass. It's not a good start. TikTok, Timekeeper, something, pass. Okay, we got that. Um, <laughs> what uh, What's your favorite YouTube subscription right now? Um, I, I I don't subscribe to many YouTube channels. In fact, I think there's only... Oh, there's only two that I'm subscribed to, so um, I'm going to have to... Uh, I'm gonna have to I'll talk about both of them briefly. I don't want to admit which one my favourite is. So, um, <laughs> Alison Pregler has Movie Nights, which is fabulous. Um, it's so entertaining. Um, and I, I adore watching those. There's also a channel called World of Wayne. And I'm only subscribed to it because uh, World of Wayne builds this guy called Wayne obviously and he builds um, mm-hmm. these part work models you know the ones where you get in shops where it's like I, I assume it's similar for you guys it's like a dollar for the first issue and you get part of a steering wheel for James Bond's car and over 200 issues at $10 each you get all the rest of the bits mm-hmm. he, he builds those and he talks you through them and I've nice. I've never done one of those I've never been interested in one but um, a couple of years back, uh, a company started releasing the DeLorean. So I have been building the DeLorean. Yes. 
I've nearly finished it. Really? Yes. Wow. I watched those videos online. There's a dad and daughter that does it, and then a couple other people that do it yeah. on, online. So I watch him. And I want to do it. I, I'm, I'm new to it, and I'm, I'm all fingers and thumbs. I'm terrible with fiddly stuff. So I figured I need to watch an expert doing it, and he can talk about the challenges that he has. I'm like, right, okay, well, I can. Mm. I, it, it still turned out not very well. I, I Part of me wishes. Oh, you're a DeLorean? Yeah. I, part of me wishes I just oh. bought one, but. The rep. Well, it, the thing that kind of turned me off was I. What is it like three thousand dollars once you're done or something? Uh, like it's, that? it's about a, um, about a thousand pounds. And mm, I, I've seen replicas out there Google. for about a thousand pounds pre-built, which are not as good quality. Mm-hmm. So I think I still probably made the right choice, even though a couple of the bits aren't screwed in quite mm. as well as they would be professionally, um, and a couple mm. of lights are maybe slightly off kilter. But what it does and the overall quality and the weight god it's heavy um is is beyond anything you could get pre-built um all, all the lights work like you you press down you, you put your finger into the um into the driver's seat and press down on the brake pedal and the brake lights light up it's all it's all works it's amazing apart from the traveling through time bit that doesn't work but yeah it's, it's a oh, beautiful wow. model i've not quite finished it yet but it's it's getting close is it real stainless steel or is it um, plastic that looks like stainless uh, steel? It's it's a mixture of both. Oh really? Yeah, okay. there's a lot. That's why um, it weighs so much. There is a lot of metal in there. Yeah, I really wanted to do it, but then when I saw the price, uh, I was like, my real car that I drive only costs four hundred dollars. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a wise decision. <laughs> Maybe I should save my money towards auto repairs instead of building a DeLorean. Yeah, I, it's I always know. a problem with these kind of long term things. At the time, I did not have a son or a pregnant partner. So a thousand pounds seemed quite reasonable to me spread over a few years. And uh, yeah, right. she, she became pregnant pretty much exactly halfway through the build. Although well, I can't stop now, but yeah, now I'm hemorrhaging money and I, I can't really afford this, but I'll have to see it through. I wonder what the, uh, I wonder if there's like a chart somewhere where they, they have like a, you know, cause I'm sure people stop along the way. Yeah. So there's probably like that first kit probably of course sells the best and then like it like goes down over time and only so many people complete it. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to get them to sponsor the Back to the Future, the animated series podcast that we do. Yeah. Just so I could get a free subscription, <laughs> but they never answered my emails. No. They were like, yeah, but they were probably like, yeah, buddy, let me know when you get that done. <laughs> get back to us. I don't know. All right. So, uh. It's good to know that you do that. This is something I learned about you. I had no idea. Um, favorite and least favorite episode of Quantum Leap and why? Um, okay. Uh, I can definitely do least favorite. Fav- favorite is a really tough one. Um, I-, I will answer this question. I'm just, I've am just i got to preface it by saying that they're all so different, and that's the beauty of Quantum Leap, that you know, you, I've, I've got a favorite fun episode and I've got a favorite unhappy episode and and favorites in all genres overall um the the one i keep returning to and it's not necessarily the objectively speaking it's not necessarily the best episode but i love return of the evil leaper um mm. I, I, part of it is just the age i was it was fun um mm. it was exciting i love caroline seymour um and renee coleman actually they're, they're both they're both fantastic and of the three evil leaper episodes i think that one's the strongest 
Um, mm. Carolyn Seymour is a good human being. I follow her and heart most of her. Oh, posts. she she's great, and I'd I'd love to get to meet her again someday. I, I met her once, and um, I presented her with a copy of my book to sign, and I had oh. a panic attack and was just like, ah, ah, can you sign this? <laughs> and then I I gave over. It was like she was charging fifteen quid or something, and I I handed over a, a twenty. Mm got her to sign it and then ran away and her handler had to call me back <laughs> saying buddy buddy I've, I've got your fiver I'm like oh god this is so embarrassing uh, I just I don't know why and you still have that five dollar bill today yeah so yeah <laughs> she's she's a lovely person and I, I wish I, I could have had a bit more guts to actually speak to her properly um, but it's a really fun episode but it, it's such a hard question to ask because it goes back to the whole discussion mm. we were having about serialized storytelling that um, yeah. the episodes of Quantum Leap are so different that there are times when I really fancy a Quantum Leap and Return of the Evil Leap will be the one that I want to watch the least because actually what I'm in the mood mm. for is to watch MIA and feel like I've been punched in the gut that's you know it's... is is that not the best episode I think that... I, I think that's most people's favourite and that's that's another one yeah. of my favourites I have so many favourites my least favourite is a lot more clear and um, I, I've mentioned this on the podcast a few times. Uh, Blood Moon. My God, yeah. what were they thinking? <laughs> Blood Moon. The, okay, my first issue with Blood Moon is the awful British accents. But most of the cast actually are... The, there's like there's, there's a genuine English guy in there. There's a Scottish guy in there who should damn well be able to do an English accent. There's, there's only one actual American doing a cod English accent, and yet they all sound so fake. Really? See, over here we couldn't tell. Oh God, no! They're bad. They're bad. How is Austin Powers? Is is he his uh, accent on point or no? No, his is terrible. But I think it's meant to be. Oh, okay. See, we don't know. <laughs> how how do you think um, Drusilla's accent is in Buffy and Angel and early Spike as well? Do you, do you think they're good? Yeah, to me, literally, we can't tell. Because, yeah, D- Drusilla kind of reminds me of the... Um, I can't remember the, the actress's name, but the girl in... Uh, uh, Juliet Landau yeah, was but, uh, yeah, the, the, Drusilla, but uh, the girl in Blood Moon. Yeah, they're, they're both doing that uh, kind of slightly airy Cockney accent with no real anything behind it. No, no one actually speaks like that. I know I, you know how bad we are with accents over here. Every like most of our famous actors are really British, but they do an American accent, and we don't know until there's an interview, and we're like, "What?" Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I also I just I find Blood Moon badly produced and and badly written, even though it's is it Tommy Thompson? It's one of their really Tommy Thompson. Yeah, Tommy Thompson, one, yes, yeah, who's one of their best writers, and yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I think sometimes. Uh, him. And and uh, Deborah and and Don, yeah, are the three best in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, have you heard the? I don't, I don't know if Chris has uh, released a rough cut yet, but if you've heard us talking about dreams, you'll find we we say similar things about dreams again. Deborah, fantastic writer, but everyone mm. everyone has a low point. I just recently watched that one for the first time. Yeah, I I, I missed a lot of season four for some reason, and I had no idea I did. I, I enjoyed it because it was new to me, yeah. or or I had a stroke somewhere. <laughs> well, have a listen to the podcast, and uh, yeah, you you may find some counter arguments. <laughs> but but yeah, I'm I can't. Wait. I am really looking forward wait. to doing Blood Moon because I think Alison and Chris find it okay, not the best, but not the worst. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I will be ripping it. Are you still going to get uh, Tommy Thompson to join you for that episode? It, I think he offered. It, yeah, if, if we do, I might have to have a chat with him in advance and just warn him that I, I adore his writing. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll talk to him about Sequest as well and, and say how, how much I... Yeah, that, that's the perfect guy to talk to. He had some good Sequest stories. Yeah, so I, I would have to prepare him for the fact that, yes, Tommy, sorry, if you are on the podcast with us, I am going to rip into this, but some of it's about the production, which he couldn't... I think he's a good sport. Yeah. I think he would take it. I think he even made fun of himself about that episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, recommend a movie, a book, an album, and an episode of Star Trek. Watch this. Um, as long as... Are, are you okay watching films that are in Spanish with subtitles? Absolutely. I love French films and I love subtitled cool. films. So, my, and I haven't watched this for a few years and I, I really need to rewatch it. Um I can't remember. Uh, okay, the, the the original title is, uh, apologies for Spanish listeners about my pronunciation, Los Cronocrimines. Uh, it's ti- time, crimes. time Crimes. I have the DVD. I've never watched it. <gasps> oh, my goodness. I didn't. It's one of these things I thought you were going to say I've never heard of that because it's quite, it's, it's not exactly well known. But yes, watch it. Oh, my goodness. Watch it. Okay, I will. I, I actually have it in my office right now. It's just, it, it. I read the back and it said time travel. And I'm like, well, I have to buy it. It's time travel. But I've never yeah, watched I, it. Yeah, that, that was pretty much what I figured as well. And then I don't mm-hmm. know what it was that made me actually watch it one night. And oh, uh, I was so glad I did. It's um, very circular and confusing, but in a good way. Ooh, in um, like a primer way? That... I, Thank you. I was just picking up my phone to look it up because I was blanking on the name. I was going to say, yeah, it's just, it's like Primer in that way. Wow. Guess what I'm doing later this evening. Good. Watch them both and just get yourself completely confused. Um, actually, hang on. No, Primer's not the film I was thinking of. Okay. Have I? I'm not sure I've seen Primer. Sorry, I'm just, no. What? Okay, that's what? my recommendation to you. I think it's the most realistic depiction of time travel. Oh, wow. Um... I must have heard of it because when you said it, I immediately thought it was something else. Um, There's a flowchart uh, online that helps help you comprehend the movie after you've watched it. Yeah, I'm just scrolling through Wikipedia and I saw a, a flowchart and I thought, and yeah. any time travel movie that needs a flowchart is bound to be good. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's excellent. I was stunned when I saw it. Yeah. Okay, what were you thinking of? Um, You know, again, I'm blanking on the name. I'm Because I could describe the plot to you, but if you've not seen it... If you've seen it, say, oh, yeah, it's that film. But if you've not seen it, I'll just spoil everything. Um, so I'll, <laughs> I'll figure it out and I'll come back to you. Um, books are a bit of a challenge for me to recommend because I tend to read nonfiction. Um, I don't read that mm. much fiction. For the longest time, I could only read nonfiction. There was something in my brain that I could uh, read, like, things that were information and, like, that happened or that exist – but I couldn't suspend my disbelief while reading and read fiction. And I didn't wasn't able to enjoy fiction until my mid-30s. Now I love it. One day, I'll, um, I'll get back into it. Um, the, the most recent book I've read, and I don't, I don't know how much I'd recommend it. I, I found it fascinating, partly because it relates to my job. But um, I think there might be stories in there that anyone could find interesting. It's a book by Daniel Coyle called The Culture Code. And... It's okay. all about how to create successful groups. So when you've got a, a business or a group of people, how to make sure they perform highly. 
But the the part that I think is obviously that relates quite directly to what I do. Um, but the part that I think could interest anyone is it's all built around stories, and it's stories about um, Pixar and Disney and and various. I think there's some stories about baseball teams in there, where the writer's gone and interviewed mm. these people and and learnt about what it is they did. And a lot of them say, "Well, I I don't know what I did. It's just you know I I get the people in a room together and suddenly they're successful." And he spent a lot of time analysing this and saying, actually, no, there isn't. You, you may not even be aware of what you're doing, but there is a science behind what you're doing. Um, and it's it's fascinating seeing the stories of like how how Pixar became successful from a from the point of view of how the people work together. Interesting. Okay, have you read The Martian? No. Oh, I recommend that because it's almost like a nonfiction book written in a first person perspective of how to science your way out of like the toughest problem ever. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I, you might enjoy it. I, I love the film. I assume the film's based on the book. Mm. Yeah. The film's like uh, a f- movie trailer compared to the book. Okay. You know <laughs> what I mean? But I, I like, I like, I like the movie too, but I mean, the book is, goes into so much detail. I think you might get a kick out of yeah. it. Yeah. Recommend an album. Uh, I've already done that. My, my favorite album, War of the Worlds, honestly, I just, just go and listen to it. It's um, it's uh, fun. Sorry, I'm I'm half talking to you and I'm half trying to find this goddamn other film that I thought you were talking about. Um, oh yeah, take your time. <laughs> but yeah, War of the Worlds has got some uh, some beautiful music. It has some of the most talented names of the late seventies involved in it. It's got like David Essex, uh, David Essex, Phil Lynott, Julie Covington, um, all these these amazing people. Richard Burton narrates it. It's just everyone that was big in in any kind of vocals, whether it's spoken or singing, seems to have been involved in this. And uh, yeah, it's it's I, I can't praise it highly enough. Um, Is it available on uh, my Alexa? Yeah, you you can get it everywhere. It's available digitally and on CD. Um, Okay, readily cool. so uh, but it's out on LP right so I could find it on LP uh, yeah it periodically gets re-released on, on vinyl um, last time was only a couple of years ago I think and uh, recommend an episode of Star Trek an episode of Star Trek was that yes yes I ask everybody even if they don't know what Star Trek is <laughs> um, you, you have an advantage though have you seen all of it oh, of have course. you seen all of it I, multiple I times guess. yes every, yeah. same here yeah I uh, don't know if I'd actually recommend. I wouldn't recommend this to someone that that wasn't already a Star Trek fan. But if I was talking to a Star Trek fan that hadn't seen every episode, I would say check out Cause and Effect. I love Cause and Effect. Um, that is a great. It's brilliant, movie. but it's not for the non-fan mm-hmm. because obviously it's like, hang on, you've got five minutes of plot here. You're just looping. <laughs> it, it it could be seen from the outside as quite dull, but it's so well done. Um, that and Disaster. Disaster I could watch time yeah, and yeah. time again. What's, what's your go-to episode when you're falling asleep, if you if you want to watch one? Uh, it, it is quite often cause and effect. That's um... Okay. Mine would have to be um, Fairhaven. A lot of people... Uh, Voyager. Oh, so. yeah, Voyager. I, yeah, a lot of people don't like it, but I've I seen all it. of Voyager a couple of times, but I, I can't do that thing where an episode name immediately resonates with me. Um, I can do for the first couple of seasons, but I think Fairhaven's a bit later on, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say about halfway yeah. through there. They, they need to write a song like they did for Next Gen with all the titles in a row to a tune. Predestination. That was the film I was thinking of. 
Predestination. I believe I've seen that. And I, you know what? I got it because I thought it said uh, prestidigitation. <laughs> so I thought it was a magic movie. Yeah. And, and cause I, you know, I look at the first and last letter of words and guess the middle, I guess. I don't know. That's the thing. But uh, then it was a time travel movie and I'm like, even better. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Predestination yeah, is another, one. another great film. So you, you have yeah, seen it, right? Movie. Yes, I have. Okay. So spoiler alert for people that are listening and haven't seen it. What I just had to do, do was Google sci-fi movie, man becomes his own mother. Um, that, <laughs> that was the only way I could describe it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the elevator pitch, I think. Yes. It's... Unlike Back to the Future, where a man kisses and makes out with yes. his own mother. Yeah. But yeah, that was early on. I was like, I, I want to prompt you to see if you know this film, but that's the only way I can describe it. And if I say that to you and you say, no, I've not seen it, but I, well, mm-hmm. don't bother now. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think I have a thing in me where I have to see every time travel movie, yeah. whether I'm interested in it or not, because who knows? Yeah. And and that's just a thing that I'm fascinated with. I think growing up uh, as a kid and watching Next Gen and, you know, every once in a while, there's a really good time travel episode. And those always fascinated me. So now I'm just in the time travel. I don't know if you guessed that about me. Yeah, no, I can tell. My um my, my favorite. Or, or you heard me talk about it while you're in a gym once. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Um, my, my favorites as a kid, and I'd love to know if you've seen these. Um, one of them is quite well known, the other one not. Uh, Philadelphia Experiment and Time, yes. Time Stalkers. I, I watched the crap out of them growing up. Philadelphia Experiment, when it was, it was one of those that played like every third movie on HBO when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. And I watched it every single time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm still, I still go down YouTube rabbit holes about the actual thing, whether mm-hmm. or not it happened. Yeah. And like most of my thought process tells me that something they tried somewhere, but when they, when they show the actual dates of where the ship was and at the time, according to records and stuff, it wasn't anywhere near what happened. And then you get into those videos that, you know, have the guy in the sunglasses at a bridge opening and, and you just, it's, it goes very far down the time travel rabbit hole on YouTube. But um, I love that film. And what's the other one? Um, time Stalkers. Not not as well known a film. Wh- uh, what's that about real quick? Because the title sounds familiar, but I can't place the plot. It, it's, a, it's a TV movie, um, but it, it's about a, a historian with a particular interest in the Old West who buys a tintype that has a, a this picture of, that's got a guy in the background with a modern-day gun. Um, and mm. so he starts investigating that, and then he meets a woman from the future who has travelled back in time to get this guy that's also travelled back from the future with the gun. Um, and on the way, she's picking up the historian because obviously she, okay. she can't go back to the Old West by herself. She has to pick up an historian from the 1980s to help her. It, it, the the plot is very thin, but it it works and it's fun. I've never seen it, but it really piques my interest. That's like one of those things. Like it, I would be like smiling ear to ear the whole time I'm watching it. So I will check that out. It it was written by um, Brian Clemens, who is a is a British writer for particularly well known for the Avengers. So it's kind of mm-hmm. it, it's a it, it's fun. Um, and it's got Klaus Kinski plays the bad guy, and Klaus Kinski and anything with him in his. I don't know who that is. Um, I don't know what else he's been in, but he's uh, he's a he's a weird looking guy. Um, let me see. Mm. Um, yeah, look, look him up on IMDb. He's he's one of these people. As soon as you see him, you think, okay. yeah, you're the bad guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. I, I've seen that uh, when I search time travel movies. 
you know, when I'm bored and I, I, I don't think I've ever seen that. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to do that. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Final, final question. What is your happy place? Oh, it's so hard to pick just one. Um, That's a good thing. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is. It's useful. I, cause it, there's, I have one happy place that I only get to go to once a year. So I have to find other happy places as well. Um, every February, uh, I go to the, the biggest fan run Doctor Who convention in Los Angeles. So, uh, the, or sorry, the, the biggest fan run Doctor Who convention in the world that happens to be in Los Angeles. Um, so there, there is, um, the, the Marriott LAX is, somewhat my happy place because I have so many happy memories there and all my friends meet there. Most of my friends from Britain meet in LA. Um, I don't see them the rest of the year. (laughs) So um, that's, yeah, that, that's wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm also developing a a new happy place. I have a, um, I've, I have a man cave at home, um, which is just, just full of all my geeky stuff. Which is is more is it's a storage room with a TV in it, so it's not it's not much, and it's never it's never it's it's been more useful to me than anything with an emotional connection. But Zach has started to get to the sort of age now where he started showing an interest in some of this kind of stuff, and he wants to actually go and play in my man cave and sit and watch TV with me in there. So now awesome. now it's actually it's becoming more it, it's it, it's it was more functional. That was the way I was. Mm-hmm. trying to describe it it was it was more of a functional place for me to watch tv when i wasn't watching with sharon now it's mm. now it's becoming more of a family time so um my my happy place is when i say to zach right do you want to sit in the living room uh, and watch children's tv or do you want to come to my man cave and watch doctor who and the daleks and he says daleks and that's Aww. that's my happy place that is so heartwarming. Thank you. I love that. You know your dad when when your kid asks to open a Star Trek action figure that's 25 years old and you say, sure, go ahead, enjoy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm letting him play with most of my stuff. Not the not the pyramid hat. He can't play with the pyramid hat. <laughs> <laughs> how much did do you mind me asking you how much did that set you back? Or or did you sign a non-disclosure deal with that? Um no, I didn't sign a non-disclosure deal, but I, I, I tend not to admit it. Um, it was, I want to say, 400, something like that. Worth every penny. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I don't I don't generally collect props and costumes, so um, it's just one of those things. It's, it's a one-off, and it's kind of the centerpiece of my collection. That and a bit of blown-up Dalek from 1988. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have... Um, there's a 1988 Dalek story where a, a Dalek explodes and you see all the all the gunk inside, and I have a, a bit of that. So I've got a bit of that, wow. a bit of dilithium crystal. And, no. Uh, yeah, I've got a bit of dilithium from, crystal from... from um, where, when, how, who? It's from the original series. Um, wow! In the early 2000s, uh, James Doohan's son was auctioning off bits of them on eBay. And I think you can still buy. They, they still sell um, like powdered bits. They're like really tiny bits of powder. But I, I've got a bit that's kind of it's maybe an inch and a half cubed. Um, wow! I'll send you a picture of it after this. It's uh, yes, please. Um, it's it's nice. For the show but, notes. 
yeah, J- James walked off with, uh, with with a couple of them off the set, and then wow, uh, I think it was Chris who and uh, broke them down and started yeah. selling them off. He's pretty good. Uh, he was in some of those fan made projects. Yeah, he he does a good impression of his dad. Mm-hmm. What is it? Phase two? Is it or is it, uh, it was continues? He was in continues. Yeah, Star Trek continues. That is a well made show. Really well made. Yes. I, I think that's what most people are hoping for if they get their uh, Pike series. Yeah, they're. yeah. I think that's something CBS should buy the rights to and run that on the, the All Access. Yeah. Okay, well, I really appreciate you uh, being on a conversation with Albie. Uh, this, I, this is the first time we've spoken in voice format, I believe. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it really is. I hadn't actually realized. <laughs> Yeah, most most of our uh, conversations are over some type of messenger, and yeah. I hear your voice while I'm reading the text, so it feels like we're talking. Yeah, exactly. Well, you've uh, you've made this a very enjoyable experience, so thank you. Thank you for being on season three, episode one of a conversation with Albie. Uh, the book is Beyond the Mirror Image. The man is Matt Dale. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for inviting me. Next time on A Conversation with Albie, we'll be talking to another Baron Space person, Juan Murrow. Murrow? Murrow? Murrow. I think he could be okay with both. Mm -hmm. I think he could be okay with the fact that he is a genius scientist, came up with this fucking awesome machine that could jump him into somebody else. Oh, you're talking to Quantum Leap Quantum Leap. Okay, thank you. Sorry, I I had a whole PBR. (laughs) Speaking of, beer me. Where's the beer? But I I think he could come up with a a plausible explanation that... I thought you were talking about God and you were talking about Quantum Leap. I am talking about God, too. Oh, uh, Bruce McGill. Yeah, yeah. Is he going to be at the Comic-Con? No, no, I don't think so. I don't know if he does any of that stuff Why haven't we talked to him yet? Didn't I actually get him? I don't know. Did you? I don't know. I have a bad memory. No, dude, mine's worse. (laughs) I can never get his last name right, but that was uh, that episode was recorded live in Colorado. So look for that in the next episode of A Conversation with Albie. Until next time, I'm Albie. And I'm Matt. Thanks for listening. And I'm off to watch Time Crimes. And actually go and do it. Okay, I will. Dude, I totally will. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of A Conversation with Albie. The podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by Albert Burge. The announcer is Zoe Dean. Original music and lyrics for A Conversation with Albie was written and composed by Felicia Frazetta. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Barron Space Productions, its partners, or affiliates. Support from listeners like you help keep this podcast operating. To support all of Albie's content creations, please visit us at patreon.com slash trekaholic. You can visit barrenspace.com to listen to new installments of this and other amazing podcasts from Baron Space Productions. A Conversation with Albie is available for download and easy listening wherever fine podcast programming is given away. A Conversation with Albie is a Baron Space production. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I get the idea. The, um, the uh, safe word is rutabaga. <laughs> so if you'd rather not answer something, you can say rutabaga or another root. R- r- hmm? Rutabaga? What? Yeah, it's like a root vegetable. I don't know what you call it over there. Uh, Himaly do or something. Hang on. <laughs> 
Oh, re- okay. Hang on, I'm just I'm just looking it up. I've got to see this. Do you not have those there? Well, I'm just wondering if we call them something else. Um, Pommes frites. Crisps. Oh. Yeah, Swede. Okay. What do you call them? Swedes. Swedes? Yeah. Interesting. Swedish turnip. Swedish turnip. I didn't know that. But uh, whenever you're, whenever you have to go, because I know your yeah. dad and you work for a living and stuff, uh, the uh, go home sign is you take a wooden spoon and bang on the bottom of a five gallon pickle bucket. <laughs> so I'll, well, be, I'll be looking um, for that sound. 